Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes. Mojo Five O. I have a dream. Black men thinking. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking. Thinking. Black Man Thinking here on the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility, Mojo 5.0 Radio. And happy to be with you and hoping that this is a place where you will come and make this one of your favorite podcasts because we can be found pretty much everywhere people would go to find podcasts that they want to hear. I hope this is becoming one that you enjoy. So let's get to work. Let me say, let me preface this. I think the whole first hour is going to be taken up with this topic. The attacks uh, on the American people are becoming more personal now. They are more personal now. And it's been going on for a while, but it's just now starting to reach a level of crescendo where it is hard to deny. Let's talk about some of these, um, what I would call man made catastrophe narratives. 
We're going to go back to one because you cannot put the Biden administration, this this particular presidential administration, into proper fote, uh, proper focus. Excuse me, unless you put it in context with the two Obama administrations. And once you, the more you understand about the Obama administration, both the 2000, uh, 2008 through 2013 administration and the 2013 through 2017 administration, everything that you now see going wrong in the country is tied to that statement that Barack Hussein Obama made on election night after he had been declared uh, the winner of the election even that to be honest with you I'm looking back saying there's some question on that but he made the statement in his acceptance speech to while everybody was cheering wildly change has come to America most of the change was done not necessarily covertly there wasn't that much that was really covert about the Obama administration. It was covered by the media. When I say covered, I'm not saying covered as being exposed. I'm saying it's covered as being hidden. They didn't show you anything other than the most positive things you could show about Obama, and there wasn't much. Not from a not from a national perspective. There wasn't a there wasn't that much good to be shown about Obama, but they could make the case that he was the first black guy and that he was a good family man. Yeah, okay. Um, I think Joan Rivers, before she conveniently died, let us know exactly what type of a family he was the man, to the extent he is the man, in. But I digress. Because I want to talk about man-made catastrophe narratives. Here's one that was so clever that it just didn't involve the Democrat Party. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to not talk about what's going on today in the country right now. Let me jump back to 2015 and 2016 when Barack Obama was still around. How many of you remember the Flint, Michigan water catastrophe. Melissa Mays says the ominous change in the water was particularly noticeable at bath times. My youngest would tell me, Mom, it's yellow and it's a filmy, gross, foamy thing, and it would smell like open sewer. But we were being told we're still getting used to the new system. It's safe. It's okay. But it wasn't okay. Far from it. Flint's tap water was laced with dangerous levels of lead. The state knew about it and did nothing. The trouble began two years ago when the state decided to switch Flint from Detroit's drinking water to a new system. But the new system wouldn't be ready for two years. In the meantime, to save money, they switched to the Flint River water. Three, two, one. That first decision turned out to be a mistake, as did nearly every step the state took after it. Michigan's Department of Environmental Quality shoulders much of the blame, what a preliminary task force report calls an abysmal public response. 
At the time, the state agency told Flint it didn't have to add an anti-corrosive agent to the water, saying it was not necessary until two six-month monitoring periods had been conducted. In other words, they were willing to wait a year to see whether the water was safe. All the while, highly corrosive river water flowed through the city's lead pipes, leaching lead and other dangerous metals into the water supply. And what came out of the tap in many homes was toxic. Almost immediately, residents started complaining. Their water was brown. Some people developed rashes, became sick. Early tests revealed fecal coliform bacteria. So the city and state officials added chlorine to the water supply and told people to boil their water. Both mistakes, which can actually increase the level of lead. At city meetings, residents were repeatedly told the water was safe. We found the worst lead and water contamination that I have seen in 25 years, and believe me, I've seen a lot. Residents didn't find out about the lead until this man stepped in. Mark Edwards is a Virginia Tech researcher who tested the water early last year. It was very scary to see the levels of lead that were hazardous waste levels of lead coming out of her tap water. That's right. The lead levels in one home were so high, water from the tap could be considered hazardous waste. His testing led to this EPA memo, an interim report which was leaked last summer. It said the high levels of lead in the water were especially alarming because the state's water testing was flawed. So the true lead levels were probably much higher. We were just waiting for the appropriate authorities to help Flint residents to enforce federal law. When Flint's former mayor asked the EPA for more information, he was shot down, as you can see in this email exchange obtained by CNN. The EPA regional director writes, the preliminary draft report should not have been released outside the agency, and that only when the report is revised and fully vetted will it be shared with the city. But that wouldn't happen until months later. Meanwhile, families were still drinking water poisoned with lead. The EPA blames the state, saying in a statement to CNN, what happened in Flint should not have happened, and that the EPA's ability to oversee was impacted by failures and resistance at the state and local levels. The state was continuing with its own mistakes, according to Mark Edwards, butchering a round of water testing. They not only tested the wrong homes, but altered the reports, eliminating tests from two homes that would have shown toxic levels of lead. The state says the changes were legitimate. They fabricated a report that made it appear like uh, Flint was passing the lead and copper rule with flying colors. In the fall, the government admitted that there was lead in the water and Flint was switched back to Detroit's water supply. But it wasn't until earlier this month that the state of Michigan started bringing in bottled water and declared a state of emergency. How many of you remember that? And how, how familiar does that script seem? I'm not just talking about looking at maybe what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio right now. Let's go all the way, all the way back to Three Mile Island back in 1979, if I, if I remember correctly. The whole thing, well, you know, it's not that bad. You can deal with it and people not telling you the truth. Now, in 1979, the government was not as corrupt as it is now. Now, don't, don't, be, don't get me wrong. Um, state officials, federal officials were corrupt. They've been corrupt for decades, many decades. Go back as far as you want to look. 
and you will find corruption in the federal government, particularly if you if you keep it within the 20th century and going forward. You'll have no problem finding staggering levels of corruption within areas. It just has gotten more widespread. And um, Does that mean there aren't good public officials? No, it doesn't mean that. But the number of public officials in decision-making positions who are not corrupt has decreased over the years to the point where it doesn't really matter how many quote-unquote good actors you have in a government agency if the leadership is corrupt it really doesn't matter how good everyone else is and let me say this I'm gonna make this statement point-blank when it comes when it comes to corruption in government, the it's like cream. It rises to the top. The corrupt officials rise to leadership positions. Look throughout the FBI. You have Comey. You have McCabe. You have Ray. And all these are the decision makers. I really don't care about how many people are reaching out to this conservative pundit, this senator, or someone else saying, we're not in agreement with this. We're not. You know what? That's the same thing that the Chinese people would say about the CCP. We're not really in agreement with the government. They don't really represent us but guess what you have the power to put them down and you will not exercise it but you want to not be blamed for their doing when you are part of the implementation of everything they do Chinese Communist Party couldn't do what it's doing around the world if the people were not sheep the FBI leadership couldn't do everything that they do if you didn't have enough sheep among the rank and file who said well we got whistleblowers whistleblowers are not the same as stoppers I don't need people blowing the whistle on the FBI I need the FBI to be stopped from doing what they should not be doing it's not happening well you know it's a process here's the interesting thing about making doing what is right the process how many people are you willing to sacrifice while you figure out your process okay EPA did tests, knew the water was bad, didn't bother to tell. We're not going to release that report. Really? Okay. That was from January of 2016. Um, You got to the congressional hearings and everything else, you know, Bob Lang, I think it was the following month, which would have been February of 2016. And uh, then Congressman Jason Chaffetz, you know, kind of made a name for himself with respect to the EPA uh, situation in, in Flint, Michigan. So let me go ahead and play you a clip of part of one of the hearings in which he was involved. A bombshell on Capitol Hill. The Flint mother at the heart of the water crisis testifying that the state of Michigan tried to silence an EPA whistleblower. Lee Ann Walters told the House Oversight Committee that an official with the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality bragged to her that a leaked memo from an EPA researcher was being, quote, handled, telling her that his report was flawed and that there would be no final report. That report was written by Miguel Del Toro, the EPA researcher who tested the water in Walter's home in early 2015. 
The resulting memo was leaked in June, showing the water in her home was more than twice the level of hazardous waste. The EPA sat on this memo for months, and now we're learning through Walter's testimony that the state tried to suppress it too. This was the ultimate betrayal for the citizens. CNN has reached out to the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality for comment. Why would they be paying for water that they cannot even use that is poisoning them? That's not American. Today's often heated hearing was about the people who were not there as much as it was about the people who were there. Chairman Chaffetz kicked off today's session with strong words for Flint's former emergency manager, Darnell Early, who declined to testify. We're calling on the U.S. Marshals to hunt him down and give him that, give him that subpoena. Early is not the only person the committee wants to hear from. Democrats have urged leadership to invite Michigan Governor Rick Snyder to testify, too. Can anybody tell me why the governor of Michigan is not here today? Because he's hiding. That's what's happening. And those who did show up were chastised for being less than forthcoming. The chairman of the committee pushing to know why the EPA waited months to act on that del Toro memo. Why wasn't that made public? I don't know the answer to that question. I think that they that the you can't come to a hearing before Congress and be in charge of water quality for the EPA and not know the answer to that question. As the oversight committee continues to pursue answers to questions that have plagued Flint residents for almost two years, one glaring truth came out of today's hearing. We cannot guarantee at this point in time the water is safe to drink. So much to unpack in that, but how many familiar themes are you picking up, including the I'm going to call it what I see it, the faux outrage of Republicans when they get their investigative committees together and they call people down and they make all these statements and they get applause and they get cameras and they get microphones in their faces. And what the heck happens next? Anything? What did Congress do about Flint, Michigan? What did the federal government do about Flint, Michigan? We had an EPA. The EPA had the authority, not to mention the state of Michigan has environmental organizations as well as part of its state government, which also could have done. What happened? They knew about the problem. They sat on the problem. They didn't report on the problem. They covered up the problem. And the people who pay for all this, taxpayers, and not just in Michigan, because you had the feds involved. They continued to suffer while these people continued to lie. Because you're lying when you won't tell people that you're not doing what you should do for them. And, they, and they're looking for help. And they're wondering if they, if they should drink the water. And, and they're being told they could drink the water. And you got Obama up there and put a glass of water in front of him. Which, I, if I remember correctly, he feigned drinking. I don't know. Don't care. But as I said, this goes back to the Obama administration. It goes all the way back to Three Mile Island because remember, um, I think it was Rahm Emanuel who was didn't. It's not it's not a original statement of his, but he let the cat out of the bag, uh, particularly under the Obama administration. Never let a crisis go to waste. And when you have an agenda put agenda to push, and you can make people scared. And by scaring people, the easiest way to make someone give up their autonomy, give up their prerogatives, or have them invest their prerogatives in you because they think you are more powerful to protect them than they are themselves, is to scare them. Scare them. 
You want to know how you scare somebody? Tell them their water is, let them know that their water has been poisoned, but the government won't tell them how poisoned it is. And you find out that you're drinking it because they tell you, well, it's probably safe to drink. Wow. Now let's bring it up to date. I could go on and on about these type of things that have been happening uh, with respect to state and federal governments with regard to environmental disasters. We can go back as far as you want. Because the thing is, it's not that the, it's, it's not that these things are new. It's not even that the script has changed. It is now being weaponized in a way that is very specific. The attacks are personal now. They're coming directly for you and gaslighting you and telling you things that are not that are not true because they want to hurt you. Barack Hussein Obama wanted to hurt the American people. If you honestly believe that Barack Hussein Obama and officials in his organization did not know that the EPA was aware six months plus before the the federal government said anything that the water in Flint, Michigan was still unsafe to drink, then you are deluding yourself. If you think that wasn't known, If it was known within the EPA, then it was known in the executive branch of the government. Who ran the executive branch? Well, you can't hold him again. Yes, you can. Because once he said change has come to America, you got to remember what type of change came to America during the eight years that that, that the Islamist bathhouse queen, as I call him, was running things. This isn't new. Not at all. Let's kind of bring this up to date with um, what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio. Remember, the derailment happened on the 3rd. It took a couple of weeks for the EPA uh, to even make a public presence there. So let me give you this information that came out on the 20th of February. But let me tell you what the facts are. Uh, EPA on day one was there. We deployed, uh, you know, high tech uh, assets. We have a mobile airplane, uh, uh, aerial uh, monitoring that we uh, deployed. We have a mobile monitor that we've deployed in the community. We have stationary air monitors, and we have been inside of nearly 500 homes uh, monitoring indoor air quality. None of those results have come back at levels of concern. Uh, we are also supporting no, Mr. the state. Administrator, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, um, I think the air quality point is an important one, and I am glad that you point that out. But residents in East Palestine would say, what about the hundreds of thousands of dead fish on the road? 3,500 dead fish uh, spilling out of the lake. That is out of the ordinary. It, it is. And, and cleanup in the lakes, rivers and creeks are ongoing. Uh, I think you've seen from the pictures and multiple demonstrations by people that there, are, there is product uh, in those bodies of water. Uh, what the state has said is that the, the drinking water has been tested uh, and that private wells are being tested. And so what we've said is the drinking water in the homes that have been tested by the state uh, have met uh, the satisfactory, uh, you know, green light to have access to that drinking water if your home has not been tested. Uh, I think Governor DeWine has said it best, and so has the state. If your home has not been tested, remain on bottled water. Uh, there is absolutely clear evidence that that product is still in creeks and rivers and waterways, and we are working to clean that up. 
Uh, but I think what you're hearing from the government is the drinking water is safe if the you have water. those well, The drinking water bottles. is safe. And private wells, um, you all are, are you working with FEMA to help test the well water to ensure that the well water is safe? How, how are um, East Palestine residents who rely on well water getting their water tested? Uh, the, the water testing is being led by the state of Ohio with EPA providing support to that testing. And so if you have a private well that has not been tested, I am urging everyone to have their water tested by the state uh, with support from the federal government. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, that was the uh, the Honorable Negro, K-N-E-E hyphen G-R-O-W. I believe his name is Michael Reagan, Regan, whatever his name is. Um, a black Democrat male who is sitting up here gaslighting the, the residents of East Palestine and pretty much all of Ohio. He's like, well, you know, it's uh, everything seems to be okay, but if you're not sure, we're going to get your water tested and we're still doing cleanup. Excuse me, this, did you even bother to mention when you thought there might be any milestones associated with cleanup? Something that the residents can hang their hat on except to, except to say, well, just call, just call your state resources and, and make sure that the feds are involved. Really? Really? Is that how it works now? How exactly do I get the federal people involved? Because Mike DeWine, who looks like he's just a more alert version of Joe Biden right now, has already said that, well, you know, uh, it's safe to go back in the house. Go on back to your homes and drink that bottle of water. That's what I would do. That's what Mike DeWine has said. That's what the governor has said. Oh, well, you know, when this happened, uh, Joe Biden and, uh, and, and Buttigieg, uh, they reached out to me immediately and said, whatever you need. Problem is, you don't know what they need, governor. You still don't. We're, month, we're, we're more than a month into this. And you do not know what is needed. This same thing, you, you see this pattern. This is not a new pattern. We're going to talk about this more in the next segment. Stanley leaving. Black man thinking we'll be back right after this. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. I was busy eating this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine. After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off to work. Find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Patriotically correct. There's bad people in every profession, right? There's bad Domino's delivery drivers, bad auto mechanics, bad this or that. We're not going to compare law enforcement to any other profession any longer on this program because here's why. You cannot compare the occupation of a police officer to the occupation of anywhere else where there are bad apples. There's no way that there's this systemic racism within that field. There is no profession in the world that goes through more excruciating background checks, psychological evaluations, polygraph examinations, 
Backgrounders go to every city that they've ever lived in, every job that they've ever worked. They talk to first grade teachers, neighbors, associates, possible associates. There are not a whole lot of bad apples in the law enforcement community. They're just able to slide through that. And through these interview process, you know, the, the dissection of their social media accounts and their Twitter, and it's all there. It's, it's there forever. And to insult them by comparing them to other professions, I'm just not going to tolerate it on this show anymore. Weekdays, 5 p.m. Eastern on Mojo 5 Supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay, especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. about man, uh, excuse me, the attacks from your government and from those in the government who hate you, they're becoming more personal now. And I, I was talking in the earlier segment, last segment, about the man-made catastrophe narratives. And it's, it's, let me say this, you cannot have a free society. You cannot have an industrial society that is free and that tries to allow capitalism, tries to allow capitalism to be the economic engine without there being some abuses. And I'm not talking about things that are necessarily illegal. I mean, some things are unethical and some things are just ignorant. And a lot of what was done uh, from the close of the Civil War on, from an industrial standpoint in America, as we learned how to deal with things, because remember, there were no fossil fuels um, earlier. In America, and you get you get you get in the early 19th century, you can get far enough back. Nobody was nobody was doing anything with oil. That came into um, that came into existence in the 19th century, and then trying to figure out what to do with it, and making and making steel and doing this all this other stuff, and all these heavy industries, manufacturing all this other stuff, and there was a lot of there was a lot of let's get the achievement, and then and things got left behind. And you want to know how some of the, a lot of the um, environmental disasters occurred? It was more ignorance and a push to continue to make shareholders happy without much of a thought for the consequences. Am I saying that that's good? No. But it wasn't necessarily malevolent. It was ignorant. And all ignorance is not malevolent. But back to the point here, what we see in the response to this going all the way back to Three Mile Island and coming all the way up today, there is a pattern, particularly when you look at things that happened during the three Obama uh, presidential administrations. Yes, I said three because the Biden administration is nothing other than the third term of Obama. That's all it is. All you got to do is look at people who are actually spokespeople in the Biden administration. And they still revere Obama as though he is the current president. They do. And you go all the way back and look at look at what happened in Flint, Michigan, and all the incompetence and all the... And the thing is, you, you thought it was incompetence, because see, you can't call it incompetence because, because incompetence is unintentional. 
Incompetence means somebody's trying, they don't know how to do it. But these people know exactly what they're doing. They knew exactly. Remember, they knew the water was bad. They just didn't want to tell you. They wanted you to drink that bad water. They wanted to hurt you. Same thing going on, and, and, and it wasn't just the feds. The state was involved because remember the states came up with this. It was the state of Michigan came with a stupid decision to switch over to the to, to that particular water supply that was bad. And then they said, "Well, we let's study it for twelve months and see and, and see how that works out." Really? You didn't test that water before you switched over to it. Really? That's not a, that wasn't a federal problem. See, the state has incompetence too. But both of them conspired together not to tell you what was going on. What are you seeing in East Palestine, Ohio? The feds, well, you know, we tested it and we ain't seeing nothing, uh, so y'all can go back to your homes. Really? You guys spilled all that, all those chemicals. I'm not saying they did it intentionally. I'm not saying they did it. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, though. And then you went ahead and decided to burn it. Really? So you can make sure it got into the atmosphere and everywhere else. You got fish dying. You got senators sitting there walking around, scraping up creek beds with sticks and making rainbows appear on the surface. Come on now. You got people pulling up. Mm-hmm. This is now a playbook. This is now a play in the playbook for those who would destroy and disparage Americans. They're doing this now. They used to do it because, you know, we just don't really know what we're doing. Now they're saying, you know what? Let's take advantage of that. Because if we can make it, we can scare these people. Even though we show incompetence, we're still the only game in town and they're only going to come to us and ask us to do more because they're going to demand that you're not doing your job so you need to do your job. So, well, well, you know, say, well, we need more money and we need more power from you so we can do the job and you're going to roll over, bend over, and take it. And that's what they're counting on. And um, just so you don't think that the only voices out there are the ones you hear in quote unquote the mainstream media someone who has three decades of expertise three decades of experience and you might say expertise they made a movie about her because she actually became quite accomplished at this Erin Brockovich of all people went to East Palestine and she gave an interview I think it was on the 4th um fourth would have been Saturday she gave an interview on the fourth and she had this to say it's a pretty long clip so forgive me for this but her perspective is very interesting because it is the perspective of an activist who actually tries to represent those who are being harmed how are you so do you have any questions Hi. Hi. What are you What are you hearing from residents? I know you met with some of the residents uh, just now. What are some of the stories you're hearing, and, and what kind of cause does that give you for how things are being handled? So I've spent all morning with some of the residents, and I'm very upset. Obviously, they're very upset. I, I just could not believe the amount of information coming in that they have, that they want to share, that it seems like nobody is listening to. 
They are so afraid. They get so many mixed messages. They're getting a total runaround. They want help. They make a phone call. It goes to Norfolk. Then it says call EPA. EPA says call Norfolk. They don't know where to go. They want to leave. They don't have the means to leave. People aren't coming back. Their animals are sick. Their animals are dying. I've just seen pictures of them who go to their own doctor with holes in their throat. Or they're being diagnosed with chemical respiratory illness or these rashes that obviously look painful. Listen, this has been going on for three weeks since the initial crash. I think we're pushing a month now, actually, March 3rd. And yet nothing has really been done that is really giving them any kind of help or answer. It's so frustrating. It's classic cover-up in an environmental disaster and running the people around in hopes that they don't figure it out or we all go away and nobody's none the wiser when they are literally going to be the sitting ducks here. They will be the sitting ducks that don't know their future, that are terrified. And the lack of mismanagement here is unbelievable. You have, I mean, everybody's seen the pictures. The pictures I was seeing up close, what was burning, the smells. It was very overwhelming to have such a close perspective today of what they went through. And I'm still absorbing, honestly, their fear and their turmoil. And I've been on a lot of environmental situations and I've never seen anything in my life be so mismanaged, ever. You give an all clear, but yet you don't have any data, really, to prove that it is all clear. And then when the people come back and they tell you, I'm smelling stuff, we're sick, we're going to the emergency room, I can't breathe, they're just disregarded because everything is safe. It's obvious nothing is safe yet. And then when they come back, they're told, don't drink the water. But then that changed the next day. It's okay to drink the water. So it's safe. It's not. Drink the water. It's not. You're not really experiencing what you are. Yet they're sick. Yet they're going to the doctor. And every time they try to get answers to the EPA, the EPA is deferring to Norfolk, the very fox that's in the hen house. So this is what upsets me. And it takes me all the way back to my days in Hinkley, California. We have another environmental disaster, another corporate cover-up. I'm sorry, something is not right here. Agency failures and a really great community of really great people that deserve answers. And not just leave them here sitting and guessing what their future will be. And getting this information takes time. You guys are around town. They're doing all this aeration that could be throwing chemicals into the air. You just had independent testing come out that shows it's in the air. And then EPA Director Regan says yesterday, maybe you should keep the kids away from there. Well, maybe you should have told us that three weeks ago because they've already been down here. It's just awful. And I'm truly, I have spent all morning with these people. I am truly upset. I cannot imagine what they've been through. But they all have the same story. They were all within this one mile radius and outside of it. They have Norfolk wanting to do tests and their well water is, you know, all these colors, they're worried. That doesn't, they don't know what it means. What does it mean it smells? What does it mean when I come home, I can't breathe? And then the frustration that they just get run around. Every call to every agency leads right back to Norfolk. And I really wanna know why they're controlling the narrative. The narrative needs to be this community and what happened to them. They are not stupid. They are not making things up.
This is very real to them. And I really hope that everybody will spend time with them and go to their properties, smell it for yourself, experience it for yourself, feel what they're going through, help answer their questions about the kids going back to school. They want to know, should they go back to school? Should they homeschool them? Can they do virtual school? There are people leaving now. There are people terrified to come back. And they're sick. It's... I can't say it on camera, so I'm just not going to do it. I am sickened. Knowing your experience... Years ago. 30 years ago, that's fine. You can date me 30 years. It's <laughs> been a long time. You're coming here, your experts are here, other experts are here. The state is here telling us what they're doing. We know there are a multitude of federal class action lawsuits being pursued. You are affiliated with some of that from what we're hearing. How do we know, despite and with respect to all of the experience, that this isn't you trying to convince these folks or whomever that you should be suing more folks with us. That this isn't trolling for clients mm -hmm. in behalf of whoever you're with. Sure. That's an actually very fair question, and I understand that. And I think over 30 years, uh, you would be... you. These situations don't happen. And you think the lawyers aren't going to show up. Oh, you bet they're going to show up. But at the same time, these people need to know they have legal rights. They could get totally screwed over further by Norfolk. You mentioned class actions. Listen, I'm not the attorney. I've never worked with an attorney that does class because everybody's damages are seen the same. From my experience with Hinckley and every other environmental issue I've worked on and I consult with firms, I'm not their employee. I'm not making a bunch of money out of this. These attorneys get upset with each other because they might be missing out on some money, but it's not going to affect me. And by the way, all the money in the world doesn't change anything for these people. Nothing. They've already lost everything and their future. You Really? Really? Um, so what, you're going to have a lawsuit? Yes, the money helps, and I want people to understand that so they can get out of here because many of them can't afford to do that. I would understand that people might think that I'm that. I've been called that. But after 30 years, I've really shown myself. I'm not here for that reason. I'm here for these people. Now, I'm not going to be sitting here as a fan of Aaron Brockovich. I'm not, I'm neither, I'm ambivalent. I'm neither pro or con. I'm not for or against her. But I am interested in what she had to say, that the people are coming out, people are, people are damaged and no one is listening to them. And what you're getting from the state government and the federal government is everything's okay, one day, the next day, kind of sounds like what you got from the CDC with regards to masks and COVID vaccines. One day things work, the next things they don't work, and then you find out how little they work, and they just keep telling you that everything sucks, and you find, oh, okay, well, it sucks, I got it. But by then, the damage is done. And then they've moved on. And they'll throw some amount of money at a situation which is supposed to be a one-size-fits-all that's what a class action uh, lawsuit is and she Ms. Brockovich is saying she's not she doesn't do class action that's not her thing but that's what's going to be offered I mean how many of you have already seen the ads that the lawyers are running about the Camp Lejeune um, environmental problems and if anybody was at Camp Lejeune during some period of time, uh, contact us so we can get you some money out of this class action thing. Yeah. But the people are hurt. And the money can't replace what has been taken from them. It can only help them 
to some extent manage the result of what was done. If you're going to the doctor and what's happened to you in East Palestine and you're a resident there it's and you're going into the emergency room with holes burned in your throat, wow, okay, okay. Oh, and by the way, um, there was another derailment in Ohio. And, and to be honest with you, train derailments are not necessarily that uh, uncommon in America. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily everyday events to the extent that they could be when you think about how many trains are running on how many miles of track, blah, blah, blah. But in Clark County, Ohio, they had one, I think it happened on the 4th as well. And the, a local news station did this report on that. KTV News at 11 starts with breaking news tonight. The same company behind the East Palestine toxic train derailment, Norfolk Southern, says another train has derailed in Springfield, Ohio. Here's what we know right now at this hour. Clark County has put a shelter in place for families near this site. The company says no hazardous materials were on the train and so far no injuries have been reported. Good evening to you. I'm Brian Somerville. Thank you for choosing 10 TV News. Well, it happened near State Route 41 and Gateway Boulevard near the Clark County Fairgrounds around 5 o'clock this evening. 10 TV has a crew there live right now. Our Ashley Bornanson has been talking to people who live near this site. Ashley. Well, Brian, good evening. Tonight, right now, we are waiting to hear and speak with representatives from the Clark County Sheriff's Office. We're expected to have some more information within the hour on what exactly happened with this second Norfolk train derailment that happened here in Springfield. This is the second one that we've seen in the last five weeks in central Ohio. Now, I spoke with residents who live nearby this site who tell me they heard a loud crash and started smelling smoke coming from the site. They tell me they fear this was history repeating itself what we saw just recently in East Palestine. Now, what we know right now is that 20 cars of the 212 car train derailed while traveling southbound here in Springfield around 5 p.m. Officials are asking residents who live within a thousand feet of the site to continue to shelter in place. Now, I asked how long, how much longer do these residents have to shelter in place? When can this be lifted? They cannot comment on that at this time. Right now, also more than 1,500 residents reportedly lost power due to downed power lines, including a number of businesses that we saw as we were driving up and down these streets, including gas stations and stores. Like it, at first, you're just kind of like, I guess, you know, watching the slow motion train wreck, but then all of a sudden, you're like, well, you know, now that it's not moving no more, it could go really dangerous really quick. Now, in a statement from Norfolk Southern, a representative says there was no hazardous material on this train and there are no injuries at this time. Our team has reached out to the Ohio EMA, the Department of Public Safety, as well as Ohio EPA and local agencies here on site to confirm that is, in fact, the case. Again, we're going to continue to stay on the scene and gather more information for you, so be sure to stay with us on air and online at 10TV.com. Reporting live from Springfield, I'm Ashley Bornanson, 10TV News. Ashley, thank you. Well, this situation is raising many questions for those who live near other train tracks. Ohio has this interactive map of the trains that cut through our state. And the Ohio Department of Public Safety says there are currently 15 that go through Ohio. Now, 10TV has uncovered many of these trains move through small towns that are not equipped with the tools they need to help keep people safe. Also, I want to show you this. This is where that train derailed 
in Springfield. And when you click on that green route, like I just did, you can see that railroad's parent company. Here, of course, Norfolk Southern. Now, if you want to check this out for yourself, we have posted this link on 10TV News slash featured links. And both Governor Mike DeWine and U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg tweeted about the Clark County train derailment. Both say they have been briefed on this situation. They both say there are no reports of hazardous materials being. Look, guys, uh, as I said, I don't think train derailments are really, I did a little looking into it. They're not all that uncommon, a derailment. There's a lot of railroad miles being logged. A lot of things happen. It's not unusual for, for, for train cars to jump the tracks. But I'm sorry, I'm not someone who believes in coincidence. And I'm noticing that, okay, we have some nice remote rural areas in red states where help and protective resources are, you know what, they're not readily available, nor are they plentiful. And the coverage comes out and specifically works to scare people. This is where it becomes weaponry. You take something that's not necessarily an uncommon event and you report on it in such a way that it gets people worked up. And of course, you had something very real with East Palestine where people should be afraid, people should be concerned. And now you, well, we have this other one happen People hearing explosions and seeing smoke, and it's just been a month late, month after the other. Really, they're just flexing now. They're just showing Americans just how weak they've become in the face of slow motion tyranny, because they're going to give you the same thing that everything's okay, and they're and they're going to keep running this play until you become numb. That's what's going to happen to you. They're going to use these man-made catastrophe narratives to make you cede over more and more of your God-given prerogatives to the government and use that to punish you. You think I'm lying? Do you really? Okay. Let's kind of move over because there's still there, there, there's other things about the attacks becoming more personal. Let's talk about the ideological targeting. I want to back up to something that happened back in um, 2021 in Loudoun County, Virginia. This was a big deal and it had it played a major role um, in shaping opinion for the Virginia governor's race that was won by um, Youngkin. A Loudoun County father, a parent whose daughter was in the uh, Loudoun County public school system, was raped by a transgender student, guy walking around wearing a skirt. The reporting on that was, you know, pretty interesting. Six o'clock and only on Seven News, a father opening up about his daughter allegedly being assaulted while in a Loudoun County public school bathroom. Yeah, he and other parents now are demanding answers on how the district is keeping their kids safe. And as I-team reporter Scott Taylor reports, law enforcement connects the student arrested with another attack at another Loudoun school. That's 48-year-old Scott Smith of Leesburg, Virginia, being arrested in June at a school board meeting at Loudoun County Public Schools. My family had just unfortunately been pulled into this nightmare. Smith says he attended the board meeting looking for answers after a male student wearing a skirt was arrested for allegedly sexually assaulting his daughter in a school bathroom back in May. 
The Loudoun County Sheriff's Department does confirm with the I-team that a sexual assault did happen here at Stonebridge High School in a bathroom. The incident happened more than a month before Scott Smith showed up at the school board meeting. Earlier this month, a Sheriff's Department tweet detailed another alleged assault by the same student at Broad Run High School. How could have you allowed this alleged sexual predator to return to a Loudoun County public school before the court was even wrapped up with our court situation. We went looking for answers from school district superintendent Scott Ziegler. Well, my camera is always recording. I like to okay. I like to find well, out. I was going to make a statement here in a bit, but thank you. But for I like to talk to Dr. Ziegler on camera. We've been asking for an on-camera well, interview for two days. At Tuesday's school board meeting, parents voiced their opinion on transparency regarding sexual assaults at schools. How do you expect parents across this county to drop their children off at school and trust you all to keep them safe when you have shown on more than one occasion you are not up for the job? District officials in a statement say board members are typically not given details of disciplinary matters and the board was not aware of the specific details of this incident until it was reported in the media earlier this week. Scott Taylor, 7 News. Now, I'm going to talk more about this in the second hour, but think about what you just heard. You got a guy walking around, some teenage guy walking around in a skirt claiming he should have access to the girls' um, locker room and bathroom facilities, and he raped not one but two girls at two different schools, by the way. And the school board is... Oh, well, we didn't know about this. Excuse me, what is your job? Oh, and when and when news media, legitimate news media, or at least operating for a legitimate purpose to actually expose... Because that, I mean, I hate to tell you, I mean, this is pretty simple. What is the purpose of, a, of journalism in America? To basically make sure that the government cannot do things in the dark. That is what it's about. And that's, why, that's how you know when they have failed. They failed during the Obama administration because you still don't know what, what the Obama administration did while it was happening to the American military. You still don't know what it did to the Treasury. You still don't know how it worked actively to retard any aspects of robust economic growth. You still don't know. And it's not that the information wasn't out there. It's just that journalism ceased to exist during the Obama administration because you had so many leftists, particularly female leftists sitting at anchor desks who were more concerned about the agenda and the ideology that they thought they were so in love with, with regarding Obama that bump you, I mean rumpty bump you, we got our guy. So this guy's coming up here trying to trying to hold government accountable and the government employees basically tell him that he can't do it really so where is the outrage because as, and and what they know is that you won't get outraged you know this man was actually convicted for nothing by the way but he was convicted but let me get into the the rest of the story um in the next hour in the meantime, I'm going to turn this over to my good friend Ron Edwards, and we will be back with Hour 2. Many men in the United States, also known as the Matrix, are granting women their wish. So why are so many U.S. females so mad? Hello, I'm... 
Ron Edwards. On today's page, Premier Ever's Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Due to years of institutional indoctrination against harmonious natural relationships between men and women, American men and women are more at odds than any time in history. Females were convinced that strong masculine men were toxic and that the father was no more of an authority figure than a family pet. Females in great numbers told men to buzz off unless he was very wealthy, had the right look. But average to decent looking men of middle class income need not apply. So men not being emotional simps are honoring the U.S. female request to be left alone. Those of us in the U.S. blessed enough to find a good traditional-oriented wife who appreciate us are a small minority. But now single females who braggadociously told men to back off are beginning to have second thoughts. But U.S. men are choosing to stay away from Western females and are finding true happiness and appreciation elsewhere. So if you are a single young man in the Matrix... The grass may be greener elsewhere than here in the U.S. It's that bad. I'm Ron Edwards. See you on the next page from the Edwards Notebook. the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Jason Walker. Victory today for Donald Trump, easily winning the conservative political action conference straw poll for the GOP nomination. Trump grabbed 62% support. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a distant second at In his address today, the former president laid out plans for his to-do list once he's re-elected. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's crazy executive order, installing Marxist, diversity, equity, and inclusion czars in every federal agency. And I will immediately terminate all staffers hired to implement this horrible agenda. Unbelievable blast of winter. National Weather Service meteorologist Brian Hurley says it is a significant storm. Up to 10 inches of snow in parts of Michigan. 70 mile per hour winds in Illinois and Indiana. A very impressive storm as far as uh, winter weather, uh, severe weather and wind. In the meantime, rescue efforts continuing in California where many people are still snowed in. Also at townhall.com, an 83-year-old Vietnam vet. Finally getting his due reward. President Biden Friday awarded the Medal of Honor to retired Colonel Paris Davis, one of the first black officers to lead a special forces team in combat after his recommendation had been lost, resubmitted, then lost again. Davis, then a captain and commander with the 5th Special Forces Group, dueled in nearly continuous combat during a pre-dawn raid on the North Vietnamese Army camp, engaging in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. He called for precision artillery fire and thwarted the capture of three American soldiers all while suffering wounds from gunshots and grenade fragments. He used his pinky finger to fire his rifle after his hand was shattered by an enemy grenade. More on these stories at townhall.com. 
This is an important reminder. Don't miss this week's exciting shows with Erskine right here. We've got some very special guests and revealing topics this weekend. So make a note, mark your calendar, text yourself. Join me here for Erskine this weekend. You'll hate yourself Monday if you miss us. I'll bet you've noticed there are food shortages happening just about everywhere. If you think it'll get worse before it gets better, don't get caught unprepared to feed your family. Prepare with Mojo50.com. The Daily Mojo with Brad Staggs. My suggestion was why not create another category? So you have men, you have women, then you have transgender men and transgender women. And so, I mean, why not create their own unique category so we are comparing apples to apples and coconuts to coconuts? Because their whole entire shtick for the transgender community is, no, these are women. Despite the fact that they have XY chromosomes and, you know, a giant hog swinging between their legs, they are women. (laughs) Here, I'll get it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Giant hog. hog. Never heard it quite described that way. That's great. I see you've seen Ron naked, too. Uh, It's uh, weekdays, 8 Eastern, Mojo Five O. Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395. Standing against intolerable acts. Mojo Five O. I have a dream. One day, this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created Black men thinking. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking, 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 thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking, thinking, thinking. 
they leave you with hour two of Black Man Thinking here on the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility, Mojo 50 Radio. And we can be found here on mojo.com and also everywhere where you find your favorite podcast. Definitely hope this is becoming one of them. I was talking in the last segment, I was beginning to talk about uh, general topic is the attacks are more personal, which means the attacks of the government and the media, to be honest with you, upon the American people. And now I went from talking about man-made catastrophes, and that's dating back for quite a while, and how those are used against you. And I moved on to uh, ideological targeting, and I was talking about um, Scott Smith of Loudoun County. This is not, Scott Smith is not an activist. But what happened is his daughter was raped at a high school in Loudoun County. And when he, he found out about it, and he didn't find out from the school. As a matter of fact, he found a different way. He went to the school board to ask, well, what, what, what the heck is going on with you guys where, you know, people get... And it turns out that the guy who raped his daughter, which is some, some uh, dude wearing a skirt claiming, claiming that he was uh, identified as a female. I, yeah, okay. He not only had raped Scott Smith's daughter, he had raped someone else's daughter as well. Scott Smith went to a school board meeting, I believe it was, it was in the spring of 2021. He went viral getting tackled, bloodied, arrested, and charged with disorderly conduct as well as resisting arrest and obstruction. Got convicted, too. Huh? Uh, at least of the disorderly conduct charge. But the interesting thing is, they left out because you got to remember the people involved in this on the government side are very much anti-family, very much anti-God, very much anti-family, very much anti-parents having a say in what goes on in education. They don't want any of that. But guess what happened in January of the next year, which would be 2022, regarding the individual accused of raping Scott Smith's daughter. Developing tonight in Loudoun County, a teenager accused of sexually assaulting students at two different high schools last year has been sentenced. Fox Eye Sierra Fox is live in Leesburg now with the judge's decision. Sierra? Rob, the 15-year-old has been found guilty on all charges for sexually assaulting two classmates. As a result, he will not be behind bars, but he will be placed in a residential facility under supervised probation. And the judge today in court said she's doing something she has never done before, which is ordering a juvenile to register as a sex offender. The victim and their families are pleased with the outcome. I was really nervous that they were not going to put him on the adult sex registry. Um, we were told they were, and then we were told they weren't, and it was a nail-biter. But he will have that following for the rest of his life, which I feel is appropriate. He didn't just attack my daughter, he attacked another one, and allegedly even another one. So he'll have to work with that. Yes, it's a label, it's a tough label, but he deserves it. Before the 15-year-old was sentenced, the judge told the courtroom his psychosexual and psychological evaluations were scary and that he needs a lot of help. However, she did not reveal the exact details about his worrisome past. The courtroom was filled with lots of emotion from all sides today. Tears were shed. It started with the victim impact statements being read from the young girl who was sexually abused last year in May in a bathroom at Stonebridge High School and the second victim who was assaulted in a classroom back in October at Broad Run High School. Their parents also took 
the stand sharing the same sentiments about how much their families have suffered economically and emotionally as a result of the sexual assault. They also touched on how they feel this case was used for political gain during the elections, which made this process even more difficult to endure. Both of their daughters are in therapy to cope with the negative, long-lasting impacts this will have on them for the rest of their lives. The defendant's mother only wanted to speak with Fox 5 after leaving the courtroom. She does not want her name or voice revealed to protect her family, but says, quote, my son has been given the opportunity to do better and be better. Hopefully it allows him to heal and victims' families heal and we can all move forward. Her son did speak for the first time in court today, apologizing to both the victims and their families. He will be back here in court when he turns 18 in 2024. Back to you. This is a fascinating account of terrorism and victimization at the, uh, at the hands of the government. So you have a serial rapist that those who run the Loudoun County school system and those who run law enforcement, not, uh, I mean, in, in the state of Virginia, they, they unleashed a serial rapist on the children of Loudoun County public schools and did everything they could to cover it up. Didn't tell the parents, didn't tell anybody. The only fa- the fact that it was actual rape and did get reported and police reports got filed, that's the only way anybody found out about it. They couldn't keep it out of the papers. But they definitely kept it out of their own um, communication with respect, to stu- with respect to parents about their students. Isn't that fascinating? So, Mr. Smith was arrested he was charged, he was tried, he was convicted. Oh, then by the way, isn't it wonderful that the, that the, uh, that the uh, mentally deranged individual, that's what I'm calling them, because know this about the agenda of the LGBTQ uh, community. When you get to that T, you are dealing with mental illness. I'm sorry, you are dealing with mental illness. It's not a matter measure of matter. Excuse me. It's not a matter of are they mentally ill. It is to what degree they are operating with mental illness. In the case of this guy, he is a serial rapist, dressed in a skirt. That when the judge looked at the information on this individual, she said it was scary, and that's who the left wants you to give all these quote-unquote equal rights to and to feel sorry for and to try to protect. Excuse me, who's protecting you and your children from them? Oh, nobody. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Oh, by the way, going back to Mr. Smith, um, by the way, the resisting arrest and obstruction charge was dismissed in May of 2022. It was thrown out. And the uh, disorderly conduct charge of which he was convicted, he's appealing that. And interesting, the uh, Commonwealth's attorney, like a state's attorney, prosecutor, uh, Buddha um, Bibarai. Doesn't that just sound like a like like a leftist? Buddha Bibarai, female. She was removed from the case because it was clear that she was not impartial. And it wasn't the only case 
from which she has been removed. A, a, a judge in Loudoun, Loudoun County removed her from two cases, including Scott Smith's appeal of the disorderly conduct charge. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Oh, by the way, uh, Buddha Bibarai came out of the George Soros organization or closely affiliated therewith. See, these, are, these attacks are becoming personal. They've infiltrated state government and they're coming after you because if you don't believe as they do, if you're not in... If you're not down with their attempts to undermine and destroy the American ethic, the American, all American social and uh, mores, etc., so on, tear all that up, then they will come for you. I said, "Well, you know, he he prevailed." And I said, "You know what? How much money did he have to spend to?" Well, you know, so, excuse me. Everybody can't do what Scott Smith did. Every not everybody has the money to fight for their children in court. And is that what you're leaving them with? Because you are, let me, let me say this, if you actually are somebody who is silly enough to believe that the government should bail out uh, people who decided to go at, to, to take on student debt for BS degrees that don't even have um, any employment prospects, why wouldn't you be in favor of having people who have to, who have to defend themselves against the government for, for improper or pro, improper charges or prosecutorial um, misconduct or whatever you want to call it, why aren't you looking to have their legal fees paid for by the same government that is accusing them, that is going after them, that is targeting them? I'm just curious. Because Scott Smith shouldn't have to pay a dime out of pocket when he was when he was wronged by the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth should be paying his legal bills if he to the extent he has them. But you know they're not. And so guess what? The next parent who comes along who doesn't have the the resources of a Scott Smith, what can he do when his child is violated? Oh, you don't have an answer for that. Okay. Well, he, he, he could take matters into his own. Oh, we don't want people taking matters into their own hands. Oh, you want them to just have their children violated and suck it up. Is that what you want? That's what you think America is about, to allow leftists to damage American children and everybody just suck it up. Wow. Wow. We have problems in this country. Now, that was one guy. That was one father. There's another father who more recently was uh, <laughs> was targeted. Name is Mark Houck. He's an anti-abortion activist, Catholic, father of seven. And he was... I'm going to let Senator Hawley, Senator, uh, Senator Josh Hawley, in questioning the Attorney General of the United States about this case because I don't know if you've not heard of it but if you haven't this is really eye-opening in my opinion. Thank you Mr. Chairman. Attorney General Garland let, let me just ask you, does your department have a problem with anti-Catholic bias? Uh, our department um, is uh, 
uh, uh, protects all religions um, and all ideologies. It does not have uh, any uh, bias against any religion of any kind. Well, you could have surprised me because given the resources that you are expending and the apparently intelligence assets that you are deploying against Catholics, it appears, and other people of faith, while simultaneously turning a blind eye while people are executed gang style in the streets of our cities, including in my home state, I, your answer frankly surprises me. Let's talk about the Mark Hout case, for example. You've been asked about this already today, and frankly, your answers really astound me. This is a case where a Catholic pro-life demonstrator, father, was accused of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion center. The local prosecutor, the Philadelphia district attorney, who is a Democrat, a liberal, very progressive, declined to prosecute. There was a private suit that got dismissed. And then after all of that, your Justice Department sent between 20 and 30 armed agents in the early morning hours to the Houck's private residence to arrest this guy. After he had offered to turn himself in voluntarily. Here's the photo once again. You can see the long guns. You can see the ballistic shields. You can see that they're wearing bulletproof vests. Why did the Justice Department do this? Why did you send 20 to 30 SWAT-style agents and a SWAT-style team to this guy's house when everybody else had declined to prosecute and he'd offered to turn himself in? Determinations of how to make arrests under arrest warrants are made based uh, by the tactical operators um, in the uh, district. They are not but you surely looked into it by this point, right? They, you, you know the answer, surely. They... Uh, all I know is what uh, the FBI has said, which is that they made the decisions on the ground as to what was safest and easiest. So you do not agree with your description of what happened on the scene. You don't agree with my description. I'm pointing out what the photo is. There are agents here who have long guns and ballistic shields. Let's take a look at the hardened criminals that your Justice Department sent these armed agents to go terrorize on that morning. Here they are. Here they are at mass. Here's the seven children with Mr. Houck and his wife. In this early morning, they were all at home. Mrs. Houck has said repeatedly the children were screaming. They feared for their lives. You've got these agents demanding that he come out. They've got the guns, she said, pointing at the house and at them. He has offered to turn himself in. And this is who you go to terrorize. What's really interesting to me is this seems to directly contradict your own memorandum about the use of force at the Justice Department. You say officers may use only the force that is objectively reasonable to effectively control an incident. Are you telling me that in your opinion as Attorney General, it was objectively necessary to use 20 or 30 SWAT-style agents with long guns and ballistic shields for these people? What I'm saying is that decisions about how to go about this were made on the ground by FBI agents. So you're saying you don't know? I'm, I'm saying what I just said. That Which is that you're abdicating responsibility? I'm not abdicating responsibility. Then give me the answer. Is Do you think in your opinion, you are the Attorney General of the United States, you are in charge of the Justice Department, and yes, sir, you are responsible. The so F give me an answer. The FBI does not agree with your description. I'm not asking about the FBI. You are the Attorney General. Give me your answer. Do you think that it was objectively reasonable and they followed your guidelines? in sending 20 to 30 armed agents to terrorize these people? Yes or no? The facts I have, which are those presented by the FBI, are not consistent with your description. So you think it was reasonable? I'm saying the facts are not as you describe. 
what that the children weren't there that there wasn't that there weren't long guns there that That's, there weren't agents what wasn't what what do you dispute what's the factual premise you dispute FBI be specific said they don't agree with your description of be uh, specific they don't agree with what of of how many agents of the agents who were there and of what their roles were they don't agree do you know That's the jury in this case acquitted mr hauck i'm sure you're aware do you know how long it took him i i am aware and we respect the decision of the jury do you know how long it took him i don't know one hour one hour Philadelphia District Attorney declines to prosecute. The private suit's dismissed. You use an unbelievable show of force with guns that I just note liberals usually decry. We're supposed to hate long, long guns and assault-style weapons. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. Happy to. And then you haul them into court and a jury acquits him in one hour. I just suggest to you that that is a disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources. I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics, it's their, their language, including those who favor the Latin mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? No, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. What'd it's you do appalling. About it? It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it, and it's now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling. I'll tell you how it happened. The, this memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics. And, and as I've said, this is an, uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using. It should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work. Let me just ask you, as my time expires here, a very direct question. How, how many informants do you have in Catholic churches across America? I don't know, and I don't believe we have any informants aimed at Catholic churches. We have a rule against uh, investigations based on First Amendment um, activity, and uh, uh, Catholic churches are obviously uh, First Amendment activity. Well, but I don't know the specific answer to you, you don't know the specifics of anything, it seems, but apparently on your watch, this Justice Department is targeting Catholics, targeting people of faith, specifically for their faith views. And Mr. Attorney General, I'll just say to you, it's a disgrace. You know, when I think of Merrick Garland, I'm not going to give him his title. Uh, when I think of Merrick Garland, I'm immediately reminded of the of the character from the 1960s, I believe it was, uh, TV sitcom Hogan's Heroes. He was the uh, German guard, for those of you who don't remember or never saw Hogan's Heroes. The whole thing, it was a comedy set up with a unit, um, loosely. There were the, You had these American and other allied POWs in a German Stalag, Stalag 13, so they're keeping prisoners of war. And they were actually a spy organization to help win the war. They would feed intelligence to the allies on the outside because they, of course, were behind uh, German lines and they could do this. And the head guard there was a, a gentleman named Sergeant Schultz. And his he knew everything that was going on or he knew as much as he wanted to. And it was if it was anything that, if it was known by his commanders or higher-ups um, that would get him in trouble, 
His response to everyone, everything was, I know nothing, I see nothing, I hear nothing. And that's exactly what I think of when I listen to Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland knows everything that is going on. He knew about, if I go back to the, um, the targeting discussion with Scott Smith, he knew about the letter that he wrote to the uh, National Association of School Boards or the National School Board Association um, that, the, that his boss helped write or at least the Biden administration helped to write to encourage the Department of Justice to crack down on parents who were objecting to school board decisions. He knew about it, but when he but when it comes out, oh no, oh no, that's that, that's protect. I know nothing about them going after parents. And after Scott Smith was cracked down on, oh well, it wasn't my people. I know nothing. I see nothing. And now you see again with Mark Hauk. Excuse me, you're, no, you can't put this off on the local sheriffs. This was your Justice Department. This was the FBI, which, which reports into the DOJ, that sent SWAT personnel, or at least people armed with SWAT equipment, out to arrest a Catholic guy who simply was a sidewalk protester against abortion. No weapons, and what, the only thing he had been charged with is disorderly conduct. And you send out people in in SWAT gear to pick up this guy and point guns at his house that it contains him, his wife, and his seven children, and he doesn't have a weapons charge. As I said, this has become more personal now. They are after you. They are after you, they're after your children, they're after your well-being, they're after your livelihood. They are after anything that would make you feel secure in your prerogatives as an American. If you don't line up with their idea of how things should be, then you will be targeted and you will be targeted by the full force of whatever governmental agency was involved. Scott Smith had to deal with the full force of the Commonwealth of Virginia coming after him, including a George Soros prosecutor, a George Soros-backed prosecutor who had to be taken off cases by, by the judiciary and taken off his case. And you're looking at Mark Howe, as the senator said, the charges that you brought that you made sure were brought, the the local prosecutor, the Philadelphia prosecutor, who's also a liberal and a Democrat, he wouldn't touch him. The private lawsuit, that was dismissed. In spite of that, you send people armed with SWAT gear to pick up somebody for a disorderly conduct charge? Seriously. Seriously. And you don't think this is personal? When the guns are pointed at your kids, let me know how you feel about it. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking. We'll be back right after this. You want to wake up refreshed like you slept on a cloud? Get yourself the very best in bedding supplies today. You deserve it. Go to MyPillow.com and don't forget our very special promo code, Mojo50, for incredible savings. 
I'm Peter Serapine, host of the Liberty Lighthouse, and I am a gun-owning constitutionalist who believes that the only role of government is to protect my rights. I believe that all lives matter and dividing people by race is racist. I believe the First Amendment makes us a free people and the Second Amendment keeps us free. I believe the United States of America is the greatest country to ever exist. And if you disagree with any of those statements, then maybe you shouldn't listen to the Liberty Lighthouse. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Mojo Bible Radio. Let's be honest. Wheelchairs are heavy, bulky, and ugly. If you carry a wheelchair in your car to take care of a loved one, you know how hard it is getting that clunky, old-style wheelchair in and out of your car. Introducing the Feather Chair Wheelchair. At 13 pounds, it's the world's lightest wheelchair. It folds in seconds and fits neatly in your trunk, backseat, or closet, so you can take it everywhere. And it's only available right here. Order yours today and get a free wheelchair case a $50 value yours free the feather chair the world's lightest wheelchair is just $4.99 with easy payments as low as $16 a month sorry no medicare or insurance accepted so call right now to order yours 800-823-5826 800-823-5826 that's 800-823-5826 what? Didn't see you there. I was busy eating this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine. and also from, to be honest with you, media are becoming exceedingly personal. And I went all the way back. You can go all the way back to Three Mile Island. You can go back before that. You can, you can go back quite a ways. Um, but the Democrats, the leftists, the globalists, using the old mantra, never let a crisis go to waste. Because you have to remember that their agenda is always, how do I use whatever is going wrong in your life to increase my power and my influence with you, my power over you and my influence with you, so that you will accept my power, give up your prerogatives, and accept mine. Understand something very clear about government. Government exists to exist. And their primary goal is to maintain enough power so that you cannot cancel them, that you cannot remove them. Which is why I believe it was Jefferson who wrote, you know what, any government, if you leave it in place long enough, through small actions and over the course of time, they always tend toward tyranny, which is why you need to exercise your options under the fifth self-evident truth 
that is contained in the Declaration of, of Independence, which reads, and I quote, this is from memory, I don't have to, I don't have to look this up, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, and these ends being, are they securing your rights that are God-given? When any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to protect their safety and happiness. If you go further on in that document, it will say, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember this one. When a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right it is their duty to throw off such government and to devise new guards for their future security. The American people are derelict in duty. This government should have been thrown off quite a while ago. When this government, because we know the government was involved, when this government decided to assassinate a duly elected president, even though his election was dubious, but he was still duly elected as far as we know, and that was John Kennedy. When your government got involved in actually decapitating the federal government, you should have been then thinking about how do I get rid of this government, but you did not. You did not. And you let it continue. And you let it continue until um, Richard Nixon took you off the gold standard and implemented wage and price controls and ushered in the China era that's now taken a half century later is now on the verge of compromising almost everything that you believe and you could have shut the government you wouldn't do it you didn't do it you did not shut down the government after the two terms of Barack Hussein Obama, the most notable, the most notable sign that you were in trouble of the ones that they couldn't help but report because, because Ray Charles and Helen Keller could see it. Doubling the national debt, what took more than two centuries to bring about, he doubled in eight years. He and Congress, particularly Congress, but he oversaw that. Instead of saying that's not, remember, this is the same guy who told you during the campaign um, of 2008 that the increase of the national debt under his predecessor, George Bush, was un-American. And then went out and presided over a doubling of the national debt. And you did not shut this government down. And you didn't remember that it was, it, even if you had gotten rid of Obama, you still had to deal with Congress. Because guess what? Guess who votes the money and the spending? 
and you still haven't dealt with the Federal Reserve, which is not part of, <clears throat> which is independent of government and controls the economy of this country, and you have yet to do any, you won't even ask for them to show you an audit so that you can understand what assets they control. You don't know. You don't ask. Your ostrich syndrome is apparent. And then after Obama did his damage, you actually thought because you had Trump in the White House, which was a marked improvement, that you were actually going to get the government under control. Really? That's like sending Tarzan against every ape in Africa and expecting him to come out victorious. Maybe he can get away from them, but, but defeat them all? No. Because you keep saying, let me make sure you're, I'm, I'm clear about this. I use that analogy because that's kind of the way it was. Tarzan comes in against all these, uh, the, he's so outnumbered, he finds a way to prevail. And, and But the thing is, the people who, who he's fighting for don't normally keep sending the enemy. You keep voting for the ones that he has to defeat. So you applaud him for defeating the deep state, but you keep electing folks who are so supportive of the deep state and make sure it is funded with your money. And then you wonder why he had to swing from the trees to get away. And he's still swinging to get away because you keep sending, you keep sending absolute enemies or weak friends and the weak friends are the D.C. Republican Party. Though, to the extent they are friends, they are weak friends. And as they say, with friends like those, don't really need enemies. So the attacks are becoming more personal. They, and, and they just started. And now, of course, the uh, same people who would attack uh, Trump or, or you are now, of course, going after their own who aren't quite towing the line. Um, Marianne Williamson, who ran for president in 2024, and she's left. Oh my goodness, she has left. But she's been critical of what the Democrats are doing, and she wants something different, arguably somewhat better, maybe, for the American people than the Democrat agenda of the day. And folks are coming for her with the knives out. They're trying to kill. They're trying to kill that candidacy in the womb. Nip it in the bud. Kill it in the womb. We're just. We're going to abort this chick. And of course, the same people who would, who would get rid of a Marianne Williamson are like, oh, well, we need Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Nikki. Mm. Well, she's a Republican and she's a woman and she's a strong leader. When? Well, she was a governor of, 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 of South Carolina and South Carolina did well under that. And she was elevated to the post of ambassador to the UN. She made a couple of good speeches. You know, it's really not that hard to be ambassador in the UN because you don't have a position. You don't. You don't have your own position, and the only thing you do is talk to people. You don't. You 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 don't formulate policy. You're not on the hook to actually push any policy to make sure it goes forward. You just say, "Well, the United States is for this," and then you can bloviate all you want to and make it sound like you're angry, but you don't have any power. You have.
have no power. You are basically an envoy. You are waiting for for orders from back home. And Nikki Haley, of course, is now turning to bite the hand that fed her. And for that reason, plus, I'm like, well, what do you... What do you have? And of course, she's also for the for the Ukraine gravy train to continue. I don't. E- but that is what people are trying to say. Well, that's a that's a reasonable alternative to Trump. She's not even a reasonable alternative to Mike Pence. And I and I I have a hard time understanding who the heck is funding. Yeah, well, actually, I do know who's funding Mike Pence. It's all those quote-unquote Republican donors who really don't want to see the status quo change. That's who they are. They're funding Pence. They'll fund. They'll fund Nikki Haley. They'll fund anybody but Trump because Trump means that their world has to adjust and they have to go back to being competitive as opposed to de- dealing with or taking advantage of a system that keeps them in power and in some measure of control because they have no shortage of money because they get to use a lot of yours to keep them in advantage. All that said, we do have some um, decent things to, for lack of a better term, celebrate. For example, this past Tuesday, which would have been the 28th of February, in Chicago they had the Democrat Party mayoral mayoral election primaries, the primary primary elections for the Democrat nominee for Mayor of Chicago. And Lori Lightfoot, also known as Beetlejuice, um, needed to come she didn't have to come in first place. She could have come in second place. She needed, she needed to get a top two finish. And as long as the person who was number one didn't get half the vote, she would have been in a runoff. Well, she came in third. Third. And the number one person did not get half of the votes. So there will be a runoff. She simply won't be in it. So with apologies to Hall and Oates, she's gone. Oh, I, I got to learn how to face it. She's gone. She is out of here. No re-election. First time, I believe, in like four decades that a sitting mayor of uh, Chicago was not re-elected. She can't be re-elected. And she went, of course, in her concession speech to lie about all the things that she did that didn't matter. You know, I'll, you know I'm going I'm to be generous. I'm going to say she did everything that she claimed she did. And guess what? The same Negroes who, who haven't fled Chicago and voted her in, voted her sorry behind up. Because they haven't seen these... And of course, her thing is, uh, you know what? Uh, there are people who just can't stand the idea of a black woman uh, being in charge. I said, well, they well, they didn't have a problem with electing a black woman. Maybe the issue is not. Maybe the issue is not the fact that you're ugly as sin, and that you're black, female, and homosexual. Maybe the problem is you suck at governing for the benefit of the citizenry. Maybe that's the issue. You just suck. 
and they just didn't want somebody for another four years who obviously sucked. Another thing, Marilyn Mosby, for those who might remember, she was the one who back in 2015, when Freddie Gray uh, went down, the guy who had more drug cases than he had birthdays, and he was 25 years old when he died, went after six cops because that that clown died in police custody and she's like well the cops must have killed him she brought cases against six police officers and went 0 for 6 with a black judge black male judge just putting her stuff on a tee and smacking it out of court get this mess out of here three cases that happened to and she finally decided well I ain't no sense in bringing these other cases let it go so her whole quest to get justice for Freddie Gray, I guess we understand what justice is. Because that seems to me, you can't get justice for, you don't get justice for people, you get justice for situations because justice looks different depending on what part you play in the situation. What is just for Freddie Gray, is it just for Freddie Gray to die? It depends on who killed him. Well, the police, no, they didn't. You couldn't prove that. You couldn't even come close to proving that. You could prove that he was in their custody when he died, but you could not demonstrate they had anything to do with his death. So who's responsible? Oh, you mean the fact that you're, you're going to ignore the fact that Freddie Gray had a history of getting himself injured while in police custody so he could actually get some type of insurance benefit? He get paid? Okay. Yeah, let's overlook that. Does not, not pay any attention to that. Oh, by the way, the um, the then mayor of uh, Baltimore, where Freddie Gray uh, lived and died, uh, Stephanie Rawlings Blake, the one who told them, who, who said, you know, after his death, let's give those who want to destroy, give them space to do that. She found she wound up giving his family, I think it was six and a half million bucks for what? Well, anyway, Marilyn Mosby, who was the prosecutor who failed to get any convictions, um, and the truth is she got the right result, which was no convictions, uh, going after the police for Freddie Gray's death, now had recently her entire defense team, she's being, they're going after her for corruption. Her entire defense team just said, we ain't representing this chick no more. We're gone. We're gone. We're out. You can, have, you can have a public defender because we ain't, nah, 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 nah. We're not, mm-mm. So you have some terrible black females getting their comeuppance. Lori Lightfoot got her comeuppance at the polls. Marilyn Mosby is likely to get her comeuppance uh, in, a, in a trial situation. She was a prosecutor. She sucked at that, but hopefully the people who are prosecuting her are better at their job than she was at it. And I believe Cantrell, uh, Latoya Cantrell, the mayor of New Orleans, the effort to recall her has garnered um, arguably enough uh, signatures to move forward. And so there will be a recall election. looks like there's going to be a recall election in in, in New Orleans to get rid of that black female who ain't done nothing for nobody. See, these are, these, these are good news stories, but the thing is, you know what? Here's the problem. When you 
don't run government and the people of America don't run the American government on the state level, on the federal level, or even hardly on the local level, it takes you too long to correct the sins of government because government is not responsive to you. You are always trying to prod the government. It's, it's almost like, you know what? You have to convince your children to do the right thing instead of whooping that behind if they don't. Y'all ain't whooping no behind on the government when they, when they screw up. And their screw-ups are intentional and their screw-ups are harmful. But I can't see you guys doing what you need to do about it. But we do have some good news there. And I mean, you know what? Good news is good news. Let it, you know, let it be what it's going to be. If it's good, it's going to be good. In other news, um, everybody talks about inflation and people just keep forgetting something very basic. Very, very basic about the inflation we're experiencing right now because inflation only comes when the money supply grows and outstrips product that the economy produces. In other words, you got more money in there than you need for the services that are that are being produced and being exchanged. Or money is being used to pay for. Now normally when you have inflation, the government's out there spending a lot of money, borrowing a lot of money. In the case of the COVID uh, emergency, that scam, all they did was print $5 trillion out of thin air. They didn't, they didn't borrow any more money. They just printed it. and just stuck it in the money supply. It's like somebody came to your wallet, looked at the real money in there and said, okay, we're going to use this uh, Monopoly money and we're just going to add it up there and you're just going to count it like it matters. You can't recover from that. And the only reason our currency is not more trash than it is is because not only did we do that, looks like most of Europe did that as well. Pretty much all of the West did that. Yeah, we're gonna lose to China. Well, not so fast. China, China's got serious economic problems. If they didn't, they would be all that much more to be feared. But they suck too. All of this is being used to take away your prerogatives and keep giving them to central authorities, whether it's central governments or central banks, it doesn't really matter. And you're being gaslit about it. Yeah, you are. You're being gaslit about it. People are telling you, well, you know, we had to do it because it was the only way to save lives and this and the other. You don't get it. Uh, so, so what are you doing now about all the folks who are dropping dead from your, from your life-saving measures? Really? So all the people who lost their businesses, lost their livelihoods because you cracked down and shut down the government, you said, well, we're just doing it because we're trying to make sure we keep people safe. And then you got to get the injection so you can be protected. Now you have people dropping like flies. 
I keep reminding people, I went through a good bit of 2022 just looking at the data from the government, from the HHS, on the vaccine adverse effects reporting system and letting you know that in 2019 you had 120 plus vaccines that people reported. You had like 48,000 and change adverse events reported for the entire year and about 180 something deaths. Well, that doesn't mean anything. That's, that's nothing. And of course there was no vaccine, no COVID vaccine in 2019. 2020, you had the same 120 or so um, number of vaccines reported. You had 47,000 and change events and you had 166 people died. That's according to the HHS. Of course, 10% of those deaths were from the COVID vaccine, as reported in their system. You know the interesting thing about that? The COVID vaccine only showed up in the last two weeks of 2020, and it was responsible for 10 of the deaths. Oh, 2021 was a breakout year. Uh, remember I told you there were like 48,000 events in 2019? There were... 47,000 adverse events in 2020, there were more than 700,000 adverse events in 2021, and more than 95% of those were from COVID-19. And remember those 180 deaths in 2019, 166 deaths in 2020? In 2021, the HHS reported there were more than 10,000 deaths, and yes, more than 90% of those were from COVID, the COVID vaccine. But of course, it's safe and effective. They just didn't tell you for whom or for what. So you were gaslit. How come you don't know this? And the reason I the reason I take reason I am so impatient and have very little um, sympathy for people is this is public information. The information I just gave you, you can go to HHS and download it. It's sitting in what they call comma-separated variables, and for those who are so inclined, it means you can open them as you would an Excel file and do your own analysis. They've been keeping this data since 1990. How come you don't know about it? What's your excuse? Everything they're doing, they're doing purposely to harm you. Everything that they're doing. Here's another story that's interesting. Coronado, California has the lowest homeless rate in the state. And you know why? Because they don't tolerate homeless encampments on their streets. Oh, they're being cruel. No, they're not being cruel to people. They're saying, no, no, no. We have a place for you and you oh and guess what? Not only and if we have a place for you, one, you will go, and two, you will abide by the rules. Because if you're on drugs, we're gonna get you. You will not use drugs in our facilities. And if you have mental health problems, we will provide resources and you will make you will avail yourself of those resources. Oh well. Good old accountability tends to reduce and the antidote to entitlement has always been accountability. You know, here's some other accountability that's coming to uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, 
In the month of March, this month, 2023, Walmart has already announced they're closing all their stores in Portland. All of them. So, and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make anybody be fans of Walmart. I mean, people. There are people who are fans. There are people who are harsh critics of Walmart. And I don't have a dog in that fight. I do understand this. When you go woke, you can't buy. Because remember, not just Oregon, but other states, California being among the worst. You can shoplift and nobody goes, nobody gets arrested. Nobody gets charged. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody has to repay. There's nothing. The businesses are simply out the, the cost. Their losses are just magnified. And all the people of California keep voting for this crap, or at least so they tell us. Because remember, the Dominion voting system is used in all 58 counties of California. There are no paper ballots in California. Well, they print the thing out if you use their system. You know, you put it in and, and it prints and you put the thing and it prints your, your things on this side. Yeah, yeah really. Um, whatever you give it is translated to what it believes it can understand. And that's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, really. And so somebody handed you the... Uh, the laser printed copy of the deed to the Brooklyn Bridge, you would believe it was an original document, would you not? Oh my gosh. I, it's hard to make sense of this. I am not anti-American. I am pro-Americans. But I'm trying to find the Americans who actually understand that freedom is something that requires the risk of bloodshed even if it is yours. Because you are right now volunteering for tyranny, volunteering for slavery, because you honestly think the government that is becoming increasingly tyrannical can somehow save you. And that's our show. God bless you, and God keep you. Until next week, if God says the same, you take care. is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.